Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. That's a great opportunity for, for everybody involved. All right, so we're in uh, day six, day six, lesson six of our series of how to have uh, a bad day. Is that what it's called? How to live through a bad day. So there are people in the audience right now that are just here to listen to me screw up. I'm not going to. How to live through a bad day. So, so we're in uh, session six of how to live through a bad day. And, and last week, uh, Aaron, Aaron presented the message, and the lesson in that message was uh, taken from, from Jesus' words, I'm thirsty, to, to, show, that, to show your humanity and, and be able to ask for help when it's, when it's necessary. And, and, and I'll admit, uh, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. Uh, but fortunately, last Sunday, we had our, our prayer and worship evening. Anybody show up to the prayer and worship evening? Excellent. So one of the opportunities during prayer and worship is, is, uh, is to be prayed for. So Aaron will ask, so if you want to be prayed for, you can, if you need, want and need to be prayed for, please stand up and people will come and pray for you. And I think there were like four or five people that stood up to be prayed for. Everybody else was lying. They're all liars. They all need to be prayed for. But five of us stood up and I stood up and it was hard for me to stand up that, uh, for, for me to be able to, to stand up and, and, and to share with the people that came around me, um, some of, the, some of the issues that I'm dealing with right now was, was tough. It's not, it wasn't an easy thing. The prayer was awesome. I am so grateful that I did. From a pastoral perspective, I'm grateful that, that these people took the opportunity to pray for others, um, but totally selfishly, I am so grateful that these people prayed for me. Um, but, it, but it took the opportunity to stand up and say, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that, that, that you took advantage of that this week at some point that you were able to step out of your comfort zone and let somebody know that, that you're thirsty, that you, that, you need, that you need some help, that you need some prayer, that you need some, somebody to, to come along, lock arms, and walk alongside with you. Uh, if you didn't last week, do it this week. Grab an opportunity that, that, uh, that, that God will, will use to, to have somebody reach out to you, to connect with you. Um, it totally works. It totally works. It was, it was a huge blessing. Today we're going to be looking at, at, at another verse, but let's, let's reflect on uh, the key verse that we've been looking at through, through the last six weeks. So it's out of Hebrews, Hebrews 12.2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did. He didn't come just to, to, to teach us, but we're, we're supposed to learn this. He came to die and, and, and for us to learn these lessons that we might be able to apply them. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. I can't put up with anything along the way. I, I struggle with that, but, but he did. And, and maybe looking at him, I can do it better. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So this morning, we're going to look at, 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 a, at a verse. We're going to look at a statement um, out of John, John 19.30. It says this, it is finished. It is finished. Now, go figure, there's still one more statement coming. That, that we've still got another statement after that. However, at this moment in time, Jesus said, it is finished. 
it is finished. So when he had received the drink, Jesus said it was finished. He hadn't given up his life yet. He's still on the cross in pain and misery, hanging, suffering, and, and, and being taunted all around him. And yet, in this moment, he knows, he knows something else is going on, that, that I, I can find myself in pain and misery and suffering, and, and my thought is not, it is finished. The thought is, holy cow, I'm hurting. I'm struggling here. Jesus shows us a different kind of lesson here. That, that he's able to, to be on the cross and saying it's finished, going, I know what it looks like now. I know what I'm going through right now, but I also know what's happening. I know what, I know what this is, that God's got a, a purpose and a plan for this, and, and, and he knows that it is finished. He knows that it is finished, he's, that, that God is doing something, and he knows it. My hope for you today is, is that you walk out of here not necessarily with answers to your problems or solutions to your pain, because you're probably not going to have it. You're, you're probably not going to walk out of here going, so this is exactly what i got to do, and it's going to take this pain away from me. That this is a, exactly the step I need to take, and then, and then my bad day is going to be brilliant. But that's probably not where you're going to land today. But my hope is that, that when you walk out of here, that you have assurance. That, that you're assured that there is a purpose and an end to the bad day that you're having. So if, if we look at, at, at Jesus being on the cross there and suffering and, not, and, and having a clue as to how it finishes, there's, there's a, a man in, in, old, in the Old Testament that, that went through something kind of similar, the, this, this, this long-standing pain and suffering. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at Job. If, if, I know some people have read Job because I've had conversations with like, I know this dude. I am this dude. Um, but if you don't know anything about Job, know that he was a devout man who feared God and had a very, very, very bad day. So, so Job lost all of his children. He lost all of his livestock. His land was destroyed. His health was destroyed. Um, and there was just like one thing that didn't get taken away from him. Everything was taken away from him except for his wife. His wife. So you could see like the devil's wiping out all of this stuff and the demons are going, hey, how about her? And they were like, nah, we'll leave her. She's good. And she was a piece of work, right? So, so there's, there's very few statements accredited to Job's wife in Scripture. But there's this moment where Job is sitting on an ash pile, scraping the boils and cysts off his arm with a clay shard, and his wife comes up to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? She's awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. But this is, this is where Job was. Job is in this, in this really horrific place that, that, is, that is a very, very bad day. Now, Job is in uh, is, is a book of poetry. The first couple of chapters are historical, and then you got 36, 38 chapters of poetic complaining, not just by Job, but by his friends too, that, that it's, just a, it's a lot of complaining and whining, and then a couple more chapters of history on the back end. Uh, but if you condense all of that, those 36 chapters of complaining and waning into one, one, one verse, it's this. Job 30, 20 says, I call to you, O God, but you never answer. And when I pray, you pay no attention. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? Never? I don't believe you. So, so I, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there that, that, that I feel like God never answers. And there's some exaggeration going on there, but but we exaggerate. 
that's, that's where we end up landing. You never answer. You pay no attention. How long will you hide your face? How long, how long will you make me wait here and suffer? You're not paying attention. And this continues on for the 36 chapters. Whining and whining and complaining and complaining. And, and then in chapter 38, it picks up with God saying this, that I've, I've had enough of you. You want an answer? I got an answer for you. Here's your answer. Job 38 says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? There's, there's, there's this joy. I find this joy because sarcasm is my love language. Um, <laughs> When you hear God being sarcastic, you, you see it in the New Testament with Paul being sarcastic to, to the people that he's writing to. But here's, but here's God being sarcastic. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dif- dimensions? Surely you know. Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light, and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born, and you have lived so many years. <laughs> Job does what we all do. We, we question God. We, we challenge God. We, we, we come at him like, like we know better, that we, that we think we know what's right. And ultimately, we've re- we got to realize that you know, we just don't know. We don't know. And Job responds as such. Job 40. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. And in these other verses that we're going to look at, we see, we see the, the lessons that, that he's going to teach us. And that is ultimately that we don't know, but that God is working something out, that, that God has the bigger picture. He's got it all. He knows the beginning from the end. And these verses, actually, these, these three statements that Joe makes, makes our way into Christian theology. And they're, they're three attributes of God that are critical, especially when you're going through a bad day. Job 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. There, there, there's three phrases in here, three statements in here that we're going to look at that, that talks about uh, these attributes of God. And the first one is this. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Job says, I know that you can do all things. I know you can do all things. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, if God, if you can do all things, why don't you do this for me? Why don't you take away my pain? Why don't you take away my suffering? If he's got all this power, why doesn't he use this? I'd be a better God than you, God. Anyone? Truth is, we don't know why he doesn't. We don't know. We're, we're, not, we're not in that realm of knowledge. You don't know why or when or how. You, you, just, you just don't understand. What we need to know is that God is all-powerful, and there is a purpose. Colossians 1 says, For everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to that moment. 
He's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's, he's holding it together way more than we can realize. Where do you try to hold together? Any control freaks in here? No, our hands are going up. Yes. Even with the most refined control freak, I'm going to assume that you can't keep all those plates spinning. And that's just in your life, right? That, that we, we want to control. We want to trust in ourselves. And I know that when I trust in myself, I don't do so well. I can hold on for a little while. But, but, I'm, but I'm not successful. That, that ultimately, my hope needs to be in God. I'd rather have hope in an all-powerful God than certainty in a very limited me. I may think I could do better. I, I, I try to do better. But I'm certain that, it, that I wouldn't, that I can't. That God is all-powerful and he is doing what he knows needs to be done. God is all-powerful. God is also all-knowing or omniscient. Words never to come out of God's mouth are, didn't see that coming. Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. I know you understand things I could never understand, God. All knowledge is in him. He knows everything. And now, now there's, a, there's an element there that's like got to be really encouraging. He knows everything. And then like a, an uh-oh, he knows everything. He knows everything. That this, is, this is actually a, an attribute of God that if, we, that if we contemplated more often, our lives would probably be a little more straight. That when we try to hide things from him and the things in the dark or the things that we see, think nobody else is seeing, he knows. He knows. He knows it all. Hebrews 4 says he knows about everyone, everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him to whom we must explain all that we have done. We can, we can look at the world around us and, and, and see the mess and think that we have, we have the answers. If I was God, I would do it a different way. But we, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. I don't understand. I don't see the beginning from the end. And this is where, for us, ultimately, trust has to come into the equation. That, that I can either trust in me or I can trust in him. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. I do my, we do our, our uh, we have our disciplines, our financial disciplines, and, and these other things that we, we in, instill in our family to, to kind of make sure that our future is good, right? That, that we try to set things up properly. But, but I still don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the stock markets are going to go. I don't know if Amy's going to have her job. I don't know if I'm going to be physically di- disabled. I, I don't know. That I, that I can make these plans, but they're just kind of hopes. But, it, but, but, but I, I want to be able to put my trust in him. That if, if I can put my trust in him, uh, I know my future will be right. If I can follow after him, I know my future will be right. I'd like to say that I'm more, in, more secure in what I don't know than what I do know, but I'm not quite there yet. Even as one of the pastors here. That is a struggle for me. As I'm assuming is a struggle for most of you. That's not, that's not a sinful struggle. That's just... That's just a human thing, right? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. 
And then the last one is this. God is ever-present, omnipresent. He is omnipresent. No matter where you go, there you are, and God is there too. He's there. He's there always. Maybe the most comforting part of theology for your bad day, that when you're in these horrific moments, when you're in these painful moments, and, and kind of like spinning and confused, that God is there. That Jesus, in his moment of suffering on the cross, was able to say it is finished because he knows that God is there. And that ultimately, he's going to be right back there with him anyways. Hebrews 13 says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? If God is going to be right here with me, then what do I got to worry about? I worry. I worry, but... But because I, I forget and don't think here, I want the comfort and peace of knowing that he is here. And if we look through scripture, there's a number of scriptures. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 139, if I go up to the heavens, you are here. If I make my bed in the depths, you are here. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isaiah 43, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Jeremiah 1, do, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Listen, all these verses are saying, life is going to be hard and you're going to be suffering. You're going to be in the waters. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be suffering. I am here. And then Matthew 28, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, you're going to have bad days. The worst day that you've had is, is probably not the worst day that you will have. You're going to have more. And if the focus is on the bad day rather than on the God who is omnipresent, the God who is omniscient, the, uh, the, the God who is omnipotent, the one who is always there, all-powerful, and knows everything, if I'm just relying on me, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. So this morning, what I want you to leave here with is not necessarily answers. I got no answers for you. I've had more conversations lately where people were sharing with me with their struggles and I laugh along with them in their pain and suffering and say, I don't have an answer. This morning, I don't have an answer for you. I don't have an answer for you, but, but what I hope is that you walk out of here with assurance, that you leave here knowing and remembering that God is powerful, all-knowing, and here with me. And so I'm going to give you some, some phrases, some things that you can walk out of here that will hopefully help you on that path. 2 Timothy 1 says, this, That is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. God has got me. There's a purpose for all of this. So we're going to look at four statements. Daily declarations, things that, that you need to know. The first one is this. I know that God loves me. I know that God loves me. Um, so, so for service. Uh, so I don't like all of you. And, and, and I know that there are people in this room that don't like me. Uh, but, I, but I love all of you. So, so I, lo I love all of you. And, and know that the love that I have for you and, and hopefully the love that you have for me is still... Tiny in comparison to the love that God has for you. That God loves you. God loves you. He, he sent his son to live and die for you. That he gave up his son for you. He loves you. 
And there, there is no greater love than that. We're going to look at a verse in Lamentations. Lamentations, anybody read Lamentations? Lamentation is a wonderful book of complaining. It's just more complaining. Job, and then followed up by Lamentations, and your day is just down. Some of you are into that, but Lamentations. So Lamentations 3.21 says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison that I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. Encouraging there, isn't it? Who's good at that? Who's good at remembering the suck of life? <laughs> that, that if you're not in it, you still remember it. Very, you know, <laughs> praise is a discipline, but remembering and complaining, nobody needs work at that. We're just good at it. Uh, we're complainers, we're whiners, and we remember. We remember the pain. We remember the suffering. But it continues. But there's one other thing I remember, and remembering. I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? So most of us would just get stuck on that first, that first section of Scripture because it's easy to wallow in the misery. We can relate to that clearly. But if we look at the author here, there's one thing I remember and remembering. It's odd that he would say remember and remembering. It's because remembering is a discipline. That I can say, yeah, I remember that. But right now I'm remembering. Right now I'm remembering that, that, that there is hope. That God's loyal love couldn't have run out. That when you're thinking to yourself that it's just all gone, that you're ignoring me, you're not listening to me, you're not paying attention. His, his loyal love didn't run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. It, it, just, it just never ends. Remember that. Do you actively remember that? What kind of discipline would it take to actively remember that? What is it that you could do to, 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 to instill something in your life that would cause you, that would bring you to the place of, this is what I need to remember, that, that when you walk into the bad day, when you're dealing with your struggle or your pain, that your first response isn't, good grief, I hurt. And then you stay right there. What is it that you can do to remember his love? And it could just be that. Memorize that verse. That's not a long one. But there's one other thing I remember in remembering. I keep a grip on hope. Even that. I keep a grip on hope. Make remembering a discipline. Memorize and meditate on these verses. Rest in the fact that, that you know God loves you. I know that God loves me. The next one is this. I know that God wants the best for me. Romans 8 says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he didn't spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, guess, guess what? We will. Those, those are our encouraging promises of Scripture. You're going to have this. That when you come to Christ, it doesn't mean that your life is just like all better and everything's really easy. It it's really swings the opposite way. That if you come to Christ and everything's great and all peachy keen, then something might be missing there. 
that, that we've been challenged with the fact that life is going to suck. However, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Now, I'm just going to talk briefly on, on two types of, of pain and misery that we might be dealing with and, and how our bad days go. Um, sometimes, when you step up in your walk with Christ, if you're stepping into a new level of ministry or, or stepping out of your comfort zone and doing what God has called you to do, you will be persecuted. You will suffer. You will pay. The, the, the devil is going to shoot flaming arrows, and, and life's going to be hard. Life's going to be hard. And what you need to remember is that God loves you and that he wants the best for you. Sometimes your bad day is going to be all because you made horrible decisions. That you made choices that were wrong. And you're going to pay for it. So just like my kids, when they make wrong decisions, they, they get punished. There's, there's some sort of suffering there. And not because I want them to suffer. It's because I want them to grow. I want them to understand this is not the path you want to go. And, and uh, so, so if you're making bad choices and you're telling people, well, the devil's just like shooting flaming arrows, like, no, you're shooting flaming arrows at yourself. He doesn't have to do diddly squat. It's on you. Um, and my hope is that you've got people in your life that can help point that out. If I'm on my own, I can convince myself that it's all just flaming arrows from the evil one instead of self-inflicted wounds. And that my prayer is that you have somebody else in the body that you're able to be open with and that they're able to be open with you, that they have the opportunity to be blunt with you and vice versa so that you can highlight what might be the, the personal growth of you're taking these opportunities and, you're, and, and this is what God is, is providing is he's going to protect you from this. And other areas where it's like you're making stupid choices and you're paying for this. Please find somebody that can speak honestly into your life. One of the reasons that we have grow groups is that you can build relationships up with people, that you can have those honest conversations. I'm grateful for the people that can look into my life and say, you're being a moron right now. And also the same, the, the, the same people will say, so I can see what God's doing in your life and it's because of the steps that you're taking. Well done. You need these people in your life. God wants the best for you. We want the best for you. People in this room want the best for you. And, and a lot of that comes down to relationships as to how that grows. God wants the best for you. The next one is this. I know that God has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29 says, For I knew, know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What's his plan for you? It's a rhetorical question. I don't know what his plan is for you. What's his plan for you? If you have absolutely no clue what his plan for you, then you get ready for the growth track pitch, right? So, so this is our, our, <laughs> our regular growth track pitch. If you have no clue how you've been designed, if you have no clue what your personality uh, how your personality has been designed, if you have no clue what your spiritual gifts are, if you have no clue where it is that you're supposed to plug in to make a difference, we have Growth Track, four easy steps that will walk you through that process. Um, this is not a pitch for us to figure out how to get more people in kids' ministry, though we need more people in kids' ministry. Amen. Our desire is... <laughs> our desire is for you to understand the plans that God has for you how he's designed you and what the opportunities are that he's providing you that we can pay attention for and once we know, have a better understanding of how we've been designed. Now, now personally, 
I want that plan for me laid out very clearly in a PDF document so I know which is my next step for the next couple of years. And that's just not how he works, right? That's, that's not how he works. That, that even on, on the Sunday night prayer night, I had, you know, I'm, I'm praying for, for clarity in my path and my role here at Simple Church. To, that things have shifted. I've been making some changes and trying to understand how it is that I'm supposed to serve here. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't have all the details. And, and Mara was praying, praying that I would be content with having just the next step. That I'd be content there. But if I can rest in the fact that I know he's got plans for me and I'm searching it out, that I'm taking active steps to, to discover what it is and then being obedient and in response to what he's laying out in front of me, um, I'll figure that plan out. And I've been hearing great stories of people in the congregation that are trying to uh, not just grapple with what it is that God's doing, but, but are taking steps to clear away some of the stuff that is preventing them from, from seeing that plan fulfilled. That for me, this, this last year, I had, a, I had a business and I worked a side business and my initial calling to Simple Church five, six years ago, how long, I don't know how long we've been doing this, um, I, I, I set that calling aside to serve elsewhere. That these other places that I was serving weren't sinful, but it was just like, I, th- I think I'm missing the target. And, and even out with a, not with a clear plan in mind, I know that I was supposed to shed some of the stuff. And so, so we closed the business and I was given my two weeks notice yesterday for, for my side gig so I could have a better understanding of, okay, God, what is it you got for me? Is there something in your life that needs to go by the wayside so that you can understand what his plan is for you? Are there distractions that are going on in your life that don't even necessarily have to be sinful, but they're just in the way that he's got plans for you? What are you doing to hunt them down and track them out? I know that God's got a plan for me. And then finally, I know that God will bring me through. I know that God will bring me through. Second Timothy says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever Amen. There's two outcomes here. There's there's two parts to this here. So, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. Doesn't say exactly how that is or when it'll be, but he will rescue me. And he will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. That's the end game, right? That, uh, Safely to his heavenly kingdom does not mean that my bad day is going to end right now and tomorrow is going to be a good day. That means that my day ends now and then I have a new life. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with having that be like, this is what I'm craving. That, you know, Paul in scripture was like, you know, he's, he's in prison and they're saying, you know, we can cut your head off right now. It's like, oh, would you? That'd be Awesome. And I can, be with, I can be with my father. Or, you know, I could still serve here. The one's good, you know, but I can't say that that's where I am. I would love to say that's where I am. But, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love this congregation. I love, I love seeing the stuff that's going on, and I want to be a part of it. I want, I want to witness it. And so the thought of saying, if you want to take me now, I'm good with that. It's like, oh. I want to be good with that. I know I should be good with that. And I know deep down I am good with that because this is what we've been promised. But, but getting through the bad day, knowing that God's going to get me through is, is ultimately got to be a place of, he's going to get me through or he's going to take me home. 
I'm okay with both. They're, they're both good. They're both good. And they're both good because it's finished. That Jesus' death on the cross makes it so. It is good. He will bring me through. It is finished. And then, and then ultimately what that means is that my struggles have a purpose and my pain has an end. My struggles have a purpose and my pain has an end. That if, that if you're walking through your bad day, and I know some of your stories, your days suck. They are miserable. They, they are. Selfishly, I'm grateful I'm not having your day. But there's an end. There's a purpose and there's an end. And if, and if that's on the forefront of your mind, that if you're looking at God and knowing what, who he is and what he's doing, even though we don't understand all that he's doing, there's hope. There's hope. There's assurance. Where was the Lamentations verse? Who's got that memorized already? I don't know where it is. It's in the Bible somewhere. Remember, and keep remembering that God loves you. He's got plans for you. That there's a purpose for what you're going through. And that ultimately, he is going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, you know, it sounds like there's like, there's something that needs to be done beforehand. That you, you might not be a believer. You might not be a Christian. You might be sitting here thinking, I have absolutely no clue who this God is. Love who this God is. This God sounds awesome, and my day's really tough right now, and, and I need some help. If this is you, there are steps that you can take, and, and, and I'm going to offer up a prayer, and know that this prayer is not like mystical, magical prayer. This is, uh, the, the prayer is, is not a saving prayer. That sometimes we can go through life and go, you know, I prayed that prayer. I'm good. And, and that's, that's not the purpose of the prayer. The, the prayer is an opportunity for you to, to confess and believe that when it comes to, to having a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, there's, there's nothing that you can do to earn it, that he calls you. And you have the opportunity to be obedient by confessing and believing. And, and you don't have to be perfect before you get there which is good because even after there, you're not perfect. Perfection comes in that eternal kingdom. But until then, you will never be perfect. Amen. You'll never be perfect, but you have the opportunity to take, to take the steps, to build a relationship with Jesus, to, to be a part of the body and his kingdom and, and to fully see your purpose play out. So if you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to say a prayer, and everybody, if you want to say a prayer, say it along with me. Um, know that this is, this is just an opportunity for, for you to confess and believe. If, if you're a believer that's kind of like stepped away, this is just an opportunity to, to replant that stake in the ground and go, okay, I've just been a complainer. I've been, I've been walking through life, suffering, and, and I, I, just, I just want it to be different. So instead of putting hope in me and trying to figure out how to fix this, I'm going to put my hope in you, Father. So we could all pray together. Father, 
I thank you for this morning. I, I thank you for the encouragement that, that comes from your word. I thank you for the gift that you have given us in your son. This morning, Father, I confess Jesus as Lord. And I begin my journey of belief. I pray that you just guide my steps. Speak to me clearly. And show me the, the purpose and plan that you have for me. That I can live and walk in a way that brings you glory, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.